Nadarim Daf Gimel Abadalaf linguistic style called Tana Tani Kedabai. Having established yesterday that Nadarim is a Mesechta that really deals with language and its power, uh, it also implied the Kedusha, the sanctity of language. It makes sense that the very first sugi of Gemara in Nadarim uh, deals with linguistic style. How is what is the right way to speak? How do you speak? What is the uh, the best way to speak? Uh, and whenever there's an issue with the style of a Mishnah, since Rebbe, the author of the Mishnah, the editor of the Mishnayot, was such a master of language and style. So when there is something questionable about the style in a Mishnah, the Gemara will generally go into questioning that style, as it does in our Mishnah, because our Mishnah at first mentions a general category of Nadarim, of oaths, called Kinuye Nadarim. Kinuye Nadarim, we established yesterday, was... And a neder made without the essential wording of a neder, using something somewhat, uh, some some deviation of the essential wording of the neder, and that that's called a kinui, like a nickname of the neder. And our Mishnah said, "Call kinui nederim kinadarim." Even a nickname, even if you express the neder in that way, it's still a proper neder. It's a, a full neder. And the other category that the Mishnah deals with, firstly by implication, and then specifically, is yadot nederim where you start talking about the nether, but you don't fully explain it in detail. And that's called a yad, the, a handle of the nether. So in the same way as you could hold a cap cap by its handle, you could hold a cap by its ear, so to say. You're not actually holding the cap, but the cap is held. Uh, it is lifted because you're lifting the ear. So if you articulate the nether in a way which is only partially complete, it's as if the whole nether is there, the whole articulation is present and it's treated as a yad neder, as a, we call that the had, the, hand, the handle of the neder, and the neder is complete. But in the treatment of these categories, the Mishnah starts off enunciating the idea of the kinui neder, this nickname neder, uh, implies there's also a yad, there's also the concept of the handle of the neder, and then it goes into explaining the yadot. The Mishnah doesn't until later come back to explain the kinuyim. Um, and so the Gemara asks at the top of Daf Bet Amud Bet, Why don't we start and do things in order? You mentioned Kinuyim and then Yadot. So when you explain, explain Kinuyim and then explain Yadot. This idea that the language should be stylistically correct, that there should be accuracy in language and, and beauty in language, uh, this is something that we learned back in Masechet Psachim, and it's based on a conversation between Eov and his friends. You'll remember Eov is going through this terrible time. His friends come from different parts of the of the country, perhaps different parts of the world, to be with him and comfort him and to try and ease his suffering. Um, and one of these friends is Eliphaz Hatemani. Uh, his friends are considered by Chazal not to have been Jewish, but to have been very aligned with Jewish thinking, particularly Eliphaz Ateimani, who according to the Ibn Ezra is in fact a descendant of the Eliphaz, who is the son of Esav. Uh, so he's actually descended from Esav, and he talks to Eov, and he says to Eov in the 15th chapter, Ki picha, your mouth is teaching others to sin. arumim. And you, rather than, than allowing your mouth to, 
to teach other people to sin. Meaning, if you complain about your terrible life and you imply that there's no justice in the world, that would cause other people to sin as well. But you've been very careful to choose Lashon Arumim, which the Mitzudas David says, Lashon Orma, wise talk, Lahastir Hadavar Bemetek, Imreham Litza, to talk in a way that is subtle and suggestive, using metaphor, so that you don't actually spell it out in a way that that your words could result in other people misunderstanding and, and uh, adopting a falsehood, a wrong philosophy. You're very careful with your choice of words. And that's one of the sources we have for this idea of being very careful with the way we articulate our thoughts, with the way we express our thoughts. Um, it's also linked into the idea of, of a Lashon Nekiah, of language being so precious, of language being so full of sanctity, and our ability to communicate and to express ourselves, that we have to treat it as a Davar Shebiktusha, and not soil it, and not and not corrupt it in, in any kind of way. Uh, we had a Gemara in Psochim back in Davkim, Olam Adalaf of, of Psochim, where Rabbi Ishmael said, When you talk, make sure you use clean language. Because when the Torah talks about the difference between um, a man and a woman in the laws of Zav and Zavah, when talking about sitting on, on, on something, on a saddle, for example, for the man it talks about riding the saddle and for the woman it talks about sitting on the saddle. So that even the, the sense that you're conjuring up by the words that you're using, be careful that the images you conjure up are clean images, beautiful images, dignified images. Um, and that's part of the meaning, says the Gemara, of Vatifchal Lashon Arumim. The Omer and the Eov also says further on, barur melelu. And and my I, the knowledge of my lips of my language is chosen to be clear. Ma'ivah Omer asked the Gemara Psachim, why do we need all these different Psachim? Because I might have thought it's only the Torah you think that, that is specific, because we see how the Torah goes out of its way and even uses extra words, not to use negative language, uh, but to try and use positive words in all situations. I might have thought that's Dafka the Torah, but if we're dealing about laws of the rabbis, that doesn't apply. So it brings a proof And if you say that's only when you're talking about laws of the rabbis, but maybe if you're just talking about ordinary things, business, sport, family, you don't have to be careful with the words you use. So that the Gemara teacher tells us, no, whenever you talk, you have to choose your words carefully to make sure that the words are beautiful, that the words are positive. It's quite interesting that when you're davening, if as you're davening, you watch the words and you just meditate and reflect on the individual words, not even the phrase, it's interesting how almost every single word in the davening has positive connotation. Every word is beautiful. Every word has sanctity attached to it, except in the paragraph of Elam al-Shinim in the Tanesra, which was added in later on, and there that was specifically written to pray about the, the wicked people, that they shouldn't be successful. So there you've got some negative words, but in the rest of the davening, every word is beautiful. And so when one speaks, one should try to ensure that one word, one's words are beautiful and clean. And clearly one should avoid nivulpe, which is the opposite of lashon nekiah. Lashon nekiah is, is, is purity of language. Nivulpe is disgusting language, and it's so disturbing that disgusting language has become the norm, uh, and that the media and 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 Hollywood and and whatever uh, has 
made it so normal that children use these words, foul language, without a moment of thought even, as to how you're corrupting the gift of the power of speech. The Rambam says in Mori uh, in the third Chelech Perichet, you already know how serious is this transgression of foul language because you're taking a gift, says the Rambam, that Hashem has given that differentiates the human from the animal and you have this beautiful, magnificent, holy gift of speech and you use it in a disgusting way. Um, that, that is as serious, he says, as where it says, I've given this nation gold and silver and they've taken the gold and they've used it for idolatry. So too, I've given you this power of speech to create ideas, as we said yesterday, to actually create concepts and ideas, to be able to communicate one with another, to take what's in your heart and give it words and form and description. And you take that and you use it for something disgusting. And it's for that reason, says the Rambam in that there as well, in the Moron Nevuchim, that our language is called Lashon HaKodesh, because we don't have negative words. Whenever there's a need for a negative word in Hebrew, we borrow it from other languages. We don't have swear words. We don't have disgusting words in Hebrew. Uh, and, and so it's called the Lashon HaKodesh, because that's part of its Kedusha. So we see over and over again the importance of, of being clear in one's thought, pure in one's, in one's speech, pure in one's speech, uh, and, and in the way we, we express ourselves. So even if it comes to a simple thing like teaching a Mishnah, writing up a Mishnah, the Gemara wants to know, why don't you do it in the way which is most logical, most systematic? If you mention A and then you mention B, and then you come to give the details of A and B, do A before B. Well, the Gemara says there are three different styles that are that are possibly responsible for this deviation uh, in the in the mission. The first one, the, the Gemara says, is how the Salik Mine how Mefarish Beresha. The idea of A B B A that you uh, say A and then you state B, and now that you're going to discuss it and explain it, since you've just ended with B, explain B and then come back to A. The one that you have just finished enunciating, you begin with in the explanations. And that's the first stylistic principle that the Gemara wants to suggest our Mishnah is following. The, Mishnah, the Gemara then rejects that because there are just many examples in various different Mishnahs where that is not followed. And so the Gemara comes to the conclusion, Ella Lav Dafka. You've actually got to say that in the case like this of why you... Uh, explain something in a different order from the order in which you initially listed it, uh, is not necessarily because of A, B, B, A, but sometimes you start with the end one, sometimes you start with the first one. And the, the run says very beautifully um, that what that means is our Mishnah goes out of its way to change the, the normal order, to teach us that you don't have to be obsessive about this kind of order and structure. And every Tana who does it the way he wants to, he orders it and he enunciates, he, he structures his Mishnah the way he wants to, that's fine. He does it the way he wants to. And this is not a transgression of the idea of being very meticulous in the way your language works because there's a place for individual style, explains the run. That each tanaka debai, shapidami, each one, I, I just appreciate, this is the way I think. 
This is the way I articulate. This is the way that makes more sense to me. So although there are sometimes overarching rules of style, there's also a place for individual style, for a person to be able to express him or herself in the way that, that works for them. And that balance of individual style and, and the sensitivity to the overarching rules of style is something so important. It's important in how we speak. It's important in how we write. It's important in how we dress ourselves and, and project ourselves. In all these cases, there is a place for individual expression and there's a place for an overarching principle of what constitutes good style and, and what doesn't. Uh, and so we see in this piece of Gomorrah, particularly with Iran's explanation, that importance of the place for individualistic style. And then the Gomorrah gives the third reason, which is Milta de Atya Midrasha, where the Gomorrah says, um, uh, where the Gomorrah says that the reason is Yadot Aidi de Atya Midrasha Mefarish Lohon Beresha. The idea of Yadot is extrapolated by the, by the Gemara, by the Chachamim, using the Torah's principles of extrapolation. It doesn't explicitly say in the Torah that a Yad, this kind of partial expression of the Neder, works. The Chazal work it out. And when Chazal have worked something out themselves, when they have innovated an idea, they're attached to the idea. We see this in the Gemara in, in Nazir, our next Masechta, right at the beginning of Nazir, there's a parallel sugi, very similar to our sugi here. And there the Gemara just adds that in, um, that that when uh, the, the, there is a, a drasha, it's chavivinle. They love it. The Talmud Chochem feels attached to an idea that they innovated rather than one that they just cut and paste from the Torah. Although there's more authority in something that's taken directly out of the Torah, but there's more innovation and beauty and excitement about something that they innovated. And therefore, they choose to start with that which they innovated, in this case, the Yadot Nadarim, and then go back to the very obvious ones, which is the, the Kinuye Nadarim. And so we, we see here these, these ideas. Firstly, that when expressing ourselves, there's a way to do it with clarity, with ease of understanding, uh, with logical sequence, that is important. It's important that the language we use is beautiful, that the language we use is clean. Uh, there are three different styles we talked about. Uh, a, B, B, A, starting off with the last item on the list instead of the first item on the list. There's the idea of individual choice. And there's the idea of being attached to something that we have ourselves innovated. And the run says, in fact, that this third idea of being attached to something we've in fact innovated does not undo the, undo the second stylistic suggestion, meaning individual choice. No, individual choice is important. But in this Mishnah, in our Mishnah, the individual choice was made not randomly, but because of the attachment to an idea that was innovated, to an idea that was, was original. Uh, and that that excitement that comes with one's own ideas, with ideas that we ourselves have innovated, entitles us, so to say, to put that first, to develop those ideas first, and then to go to the ideas that, that are, are more obvious. And so when we're presenting to other people, whether it's a formal presentation or, or one that is uh, just on a one-on-one, -on -one, spend time preparing. Go through not just what you're going to say, but go through how you're going to say it. And, and sometimes one has to spend more time preparing how to say something than preparing the what it is that you're going to say, because the real impact is going to come 
from how you present, the order in which you introduce ideas, which ideas you develop and which ideas you say, you say very briefly, which ideas you emphasize and get, get excited about, which are the ideas that you've innovated, your chidushim, and which are the ideas that you're just quoting from other people. There are various different factors that go into the, the nuances of presentation when you're teaching or when you're speaking, lecturing or presenting. Uh, and the nadorim, which is the, the sector that deals with language, opens up with some sensitivity towards the importance and the power of effective presentation. <laughs>